We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everybody? The Bronx Pinstripe Show. We've got a busy show for you. We've got a ton of Yankees mailbags to get to. Obviously, the World Series is starting, but I would be doing myself and for any Patriot fan listeners out there a disservice. They're not, they're not listening. If we don't give you shit, Scott, for that Jets loss yesterday. You got a turd in your pocket because you're the only one that is a Patriots fan. There's not one other person listening who's a Patriots No, fan. no, I think there's a couple. Uh, hmm. I'm going to go with like maybe three. No, you're just pulling that out of your butt. Um, yes, okay. Let's talk about it. Let's 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 talk about this game. Well, because it was a good game. Let's go, let's no, let's start there. It was a good game. It well, was first a good of all, game. I said the winner will get to thirty. And yes, God, I was you know it was I was so mad at the end of that game because the first half I'm telling my buddy I was like I was like the guy that I do the show with he's like they're gonna get to thirty and I'm watching this game I'm like they're not getting to thirty. Because the way that the first half was progressing, and the way, even into the third quarter, it was like it was, it was going to be twenty-three to twenty, twenty-four to twenty-three. It was very close to that, very close to what I was saying. And then Tom Brady turned it on in the last uh, in the last what six minutes of the. Well, third I also think they would have gotten to thirty mid-third quarter if Brandon LaFell didn't drop every pass that was thrown to him. There were a bunch of drop passes on both sides, but. The Patriots dropped a ridiculous amount of balls. 11. Brandon LaFell. I saw something by Barstool. I don't know if you saw that video that they put out. It was pretty yeah, funny. It, yeah, it was it like was... just some – they had a Patriots jersey in front of a trash can and he was yeah. just throw, throwing, you know, bullets at him. That was pretty funny. Well, um, it's, I mean, this is his first game back. Last year he was awesome, but I remember he had bricks for hands when he played in Carolina. So we well, saw that again. Cam Newton throw, throws missiles and it's a different ball than Brady throws, but – he just couldn't catch anything. I mean, it was in his chest. It was in his hands. It was hitting. It was terrible. It was pretty terrible. It was pretty bad. Well, so yes, the, what I what I thought was going to happen happened, being that the Patriots got to thirty points. I thought the winner was going to have to get to thirty points to win. I just think no matter how good the Jets' defense is, which I think it is good, the Patriots' offense is operating on another level. They're one step above every other offense in the league right now. Tom Brady's mental, out of his mind, playing playing probably better than he ever has, which is insane because he's 38 years old. But I think with the way the rules are in the NFL now, quarterbacks can play until they're 38, 40, and play like MVP. 
So, um, you know, that's as long as the arm strength stays with you, you can you can play. I mean, we're seeing what happened to Peyton Manning. I mean, he's still the same guy. He just can't physically do it anymore. Right. But Brady can. Yeah, he's still physically what he was (laughs) seven years ago. Um, But uh, yeah, I mean, it was a great game. The Jets are I, I, I my opinion only got stronger in that. I think the Jets are a top seven team in the NFL. If I was doing power rankings. I think I would put them at seven. Yeah, I don't know seven five. I don't. I have to look at the at the actual teams before I said anything about that. But you know, the, I'll tell you the frustrating thing for me. I mean, and, and it goes both ways, I guess, because Edelman did drop a ball. Uh, he dropped a touchdown. So as that's well. why I so kind of it's kind of a wash. Brandon Marshall Edelman yeah, ones. Yeah, I mean that was a huge point. I mean, at that point though, th- see, this is the thing though. You were talking about this before, and this is exactly what they needed to do though. The Patriots made made a mistake. The Jets. Needed to not make that mistake and yeah. capitalize on on the Patriots. Mistake. Can't make because, mistakes against the Patriots because you're up at that point. You're up um, four, up, up four, and not up three. And no, ups, no, no, no. I'm sorry. It was a, uh, it was up more than four because the, uh, they needed a touchdown and they would have been down one on a touchdown. They was they were going up eight, I think, because they were up three already. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Whatever it was, yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter. No, they were they, up they were, one. It, they were up one. It changed one. the game. Then, yeah. Yes, they were up one. They would have been up eight. That's yeah. what it was. Uh, so it absolutely changed the game at that point. But, you know, uh, going back to Edelman's drop, I mean, that was a touchdown as well. And uh, and and that was three points. So, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, this could have happened, that could have happened type things. But it was a good game. The Jets were there at the end um, playing uh, the Patriots at Foxborough. How do you leave Gronkowski open as much as he was? I don't know. But um, they got to figure that out. But, you know, I, 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 uh, I was... I mean, for a loss, I guess I was happy with what happened, the way that they played, I should say. Uh, you know, minus, like minus, the Fitzpatrick, minus the Fitzpatrick fumble, which I was actually on the way to the bar, so I didn't even see exactly what happened. Um, uh, but they, they they played a good game after that. They did, and they, they held the Patriots to a field goal on that fumble. And I knew right then, I mean, the Jets' defense was coming to play. But then right after that, the the Jets marched down the field. I mean, they converted pretty much every third down in the first half that they had, like third and seven, so many times. And they just get like an 11-yard pass to Decker every yeah. freaking time. I'm sitting there pulling my hair out. But they get down to the two-yard line, fourth and two, or fourth and goal. With Zach Stacy in the game. Uh, I understand that, but... with No, Zach Stacy was in the game that entire series. Well, yeah, because Ivory was hurt. Ish. He was fine. He, he came back and played. Well, he looked bad. He didn't look he like did, I thought he looked better than Zach Stacy. But he but, still didn't look bad. But there so it's a three nothing Patriots lead. It's the first quarter, the first real drive for the Jets, and they kick a field goal to tie it from fourth and goal. It's like I I don't know how many times teams are gonna make this mistake. You can't kick field goals against the Patriots. You will lose every time. You need to score touchdowns or else you can't beat them. And with the way the Jets defense is, I think you have a better chance at winning the game if you go for the touchdown there. And if you don't get it, you have a 98-yard field that the Patriots need to drive on. You hope your defense makes a play. I think right there, that's another thing where it's like the Patriots, because their offense is so dangerous, teams make mistakes sometimes. They don't go for the touchdown when they should. I thought that was a mistake for the Jets. I don't agree. I think early in the game, you get the points. You you, you got to a point... You get the you absolutely secure the points. Your defense you still think is going to play well, but you have the points now, and and then you kick the ball. So, you know, I mean, I see what you're saying. It's cocky as hell, and I can't stand you saying it. it makes me just I, I want to. But it's true. Oh God, I hate it. Um, but yes, I think this game at, at MetLife is going to be uh, even tighter. I, I I mean, I really think it's it could go either way. So no, we'll I, see. We'll I, see what I, happens. I'm I'm pretty sure I'm going to be at that game. So oh, nice. Um, yeah. I mean, so the, Jets defense, the Jets' defense did their job. I mean, you get them – well, did their job up until the fourth they quarter. They didn't do their job because they did not get a lot of pressure on Brady. He had a lot of time to throw the ball. I, I, did, what did I tell you last yards. week? You can't get pressure on Brady. I said that last week. It's impossible. No, that's, that's a bullshit statement, though. He, what do you mean you can't get pressure on him? No one's Your gotten pressure on him. Your offensive line is a trash. Year. Yes, I, right. If you no, can't they get missed pressure. opportunities. They missed opportunities to get pressure on him. I, I don't believe that you cannot get pressure on him. Look as the season goes on. There will be pressure on him. When the weather starts getting colder, there there will be pressure on him, and he will have people in his face, and he will get disrupted. This is not going to continue. They're, playing, they're, they're yes. playing with a makeshift offensive line, which with basically like 
third the Patriots. They make shift everything. There. They just it's a it's a right. system. So if you can't get pressure on Brady with you know basically a standing dummy there at offensive line, then you're not going to get pressure on him ever. He gets rid of the ball too quickly. No, I don't agree with that. They're going to get pressure on him um, at some point during the season. It's gonna it's gonna it, teams are gonna are going to. Um, start selling out more, getting more pressure on him early, and I understand that he gets rid of the ball fast. I get it, um, but that's—I mean—that's his thing. That's you got to get the pressure on him, and teams are going to find out how to do it. Rex Ryan was very good at getting pressure on Brady and 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 quickly. So, look, they got to look at the tapes and 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 go back and uh, top bowls. I have full confidence that he's going to adjust, and I think it's going to be a different game. Speaking of Rex Ryan, just quickly, um, we're not going to really talk much NFL because we have a lot of Yankee stuff to get to, but that morning game on Yahoo, the Bills got embarrassed, and I saw a headline today from NBC Sports that the Bills' headsets were not working because they forgot to charge the batteries. <laughs> it's like that's that's Rex Ryan football right there. Are you sure they didn't have the wrong connection? It was like the, you know, or, or they brought the working. wrong aux cord or something yeah, stupid. The plug, but the plug wasn't working. But it's just like Rex Ryan, just what a dumbass, just a dummy, big big old dummy. They ended up. I didn't even watch that game. I actually totally forgot about yeah, it. I was, me too. I was working in the yard and and then I I was listening to the fantasy fantasy football stuff or whatever on ESPN just to see who was in and who was out. And they were talking about that game. I was like, oh, damn. I totally forgot about it. But they had like 33 million people tune in to Yahoo, by the way. No, it was, Something- was 15.2 unique, million unique viewers. Maybe 33 okay, million overall. Like, yeah, clicks. it was something crazy. I heard no, the number I mean, 33 million. It was a success. They paid $20 million. Yahoo paid $20 million to get that game exclusively on Yahoo. 15.2 unique viewers. I mean, I'm sure when you calculate the amount of ads that they sold or whatever it is, it, it I'm sure it was a success you know, in the on the end at the end of the year, it'll be a success in the books. But I don't know. I don't. It like, just proves what a machine the NFL is. Yeah, for a crappy ass game too. It's such a terrible game, and I mean, just a machine. Nobody cares about the Bills outside Buffalo. Nobody. Nobody, Nobody cares, cares about, about the Jacksonville. Jacks, even in Jacksonville. Even yeah, barely Jacksonville. And it's not even like a big fantasy game because who has many offensive players from those teams? Well, watch out! I got Blake Bortles. <laughs> He's been blowing up. Um. <clears throat> All right, so quick, quickly, just uh, wrapping up the Jet, the Jets, Patriots. I think that the Jets are still the well, not a threat to win the division anymore. I think the Patriots will win the division, but I do think the Jets will pose a threat later in the season to the Patriots, and I think that they'll make the playoffs and they could meet again in the playoffs down the road. I think they are a good team, despite the fact that the Patriots put up tw- what was it, uh, fourteen points after not being after being held pretty much down until middle of the fourth quarter, down with a third and 17, backed up, and they still managed to uh, put up 14 a third and 17 points. was a backbreaker. That was the game. Yeah. I mean, they don't convert that. It's a totally different game. Absolutely. Um, yeah, broken, ne- never in that so game. That's, that's the thing. It goes down to a couple of plays. Never in the that game. The rest of it transpires after that. I, at no point in that game was I ever nervous. Oh, God, you're such a dick. Third and 17, I was like, oh, they'll, they'll find a way here. And they did. That's unbelievable. You sound like a Yankees fan. <laughs> you're gonna hate. You're gonna hate my guts come February. I was watching this with a kid from New Hampshire too. I, I subject myself to this Patriots misery. Fan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, see, the the thing for you is if as I talk more and more about the Patriots and sound more cocky and cocky, if they do lose, it'll be better for you. But it's a yeah. Big, when they lose, it will be better if. for me. I will be obnoxious. Yes, I I will I will be absolutely obnoxious. All so. right. So let's get Bank into on that. Uh, the MLB playoffs, which Mets versus, uh, Mets versus Royals. World Series starts tomorrow. Um, you'll, well, actually, tonight. You'll be listening to this on Tuesday, so it'll start tonight, the World Series. Um, but quickly, getting back to the ALCS, that Blue Jays-Royals uh, game, six. Did you get a chance to watch that? I was out on Friday night, and uh, I, I was I had the, the game was on like the bars, and I was watching it. But I didn't have any sound on. Honestly, I wasn't really paying that much attention. I was just kind of checking the scores and seeing if I saw anything. And I was with a bunch of dudes who were doing the same thing. So we kind of would catch a, a glimpse and then talk about it. But no, I didn't see any specifics about it. Highly entertaining. That series was very entertaining. Despite the fact that I feel like there was a lot of lopsided wins in there, it was still entertaining. I don't know how Lorenzo Cain scored on from first on a single, but he, he managed it. Just unbelievable speed. Um 
But you don't think about unbelievable speed when you think about Lorenzo uh, Cain. You know what is? He's got. It was leg, really good base running. He's got legs like a gazelle. They're like fifteen feet yeah, long. Yeah, his stride is crazy yeah. long. His but stride is crazy long. They were doing like you know that um, FX like that stat FX thing where they like track his speed and everything. He's running like twenty four miles an hour or something crazy. That's crazy. Um, but the, the, they had that rain delay. And there's nothing like I can't. I'm trying. I was trying to put myself in the shoes of like a, a Royals or a Blue Jays fan sitting there in a rain delay in the eighth inning of a game six to go to the World Series. It's like talk about stomach churning. That's the worst. Yeah. Well, you know what? I'm glad the Royals came out because I feel like they're a team that has been seasoned. Obviously, last year uh, with the with them going deep into the playoffs and and you know getting all of that experience and and pretty much returning a lot of the same guys plus some guys who have uh, you know Zobrist um, who has uh, good some good playoff experience. I feel like these guys are ready and they can taste the next level. Um, so so they are the team that I wanted I think to play the Mets in the World Series because I think it'd be a better series. Definitely agree. Also, I couldn't have the Blue Jays and the Mets in because then it's a lose-lose situation for me. Well, yeah, what the hell do you do there? Um, but uh, so during that rain delay, uh, A-Rod was on the broadcast on Fox, and he's actually pretty good. I, I you know, he... But you're an A-Rod apologist, so you would say that. I've become an A-Rod apologist. It's, yeah. it's kind of like, <laughs> if I look back, like 2013 Andrew would kick my ass for the way I've been acting about A-Rod. Um, he's a golden god. He's a the, golden god. The Aradisons continues, and uh, he's pretty good on the, on the broadcast. I, I think there's definitely a future in it for him after baseball. Yeah, I mean, if he wants to do it, he's going to be able. To, they're going to obviously bring him on because he's a polarizing figure. So people will either love him or hate him, and that's what that's what um, I think the, the networks want from. An announcer. They want some. They want you to to love them or hate them so much that you pay attention because you hate them so much. Like Stephen A. Smith. Like either people love him or they absolutely loathe him. They He's need one of those guys. They need the A Rod and Pete Rose show because Pete <laughs> Rose just sits there staring, stares off to the side, and then when someone yells Pete at him, he kind of looks and like says something stupid. He's got the uh, the way too fancy suit tuxedo thing going on on national TV. He's just I heard I heard about the tuxedo. I've hilarious. seen you were telling me that his hair has has chilled out a little bit, but I know uh, in the early in the playoffs he had some jet black hair. Yeah, like, Pete, Pete, you got to lay off lay off the dark hair coloring because it's it's not a good look, brother. Just just let it go natural, man. We we know you're old. It's cool. Yeah, it's fine. He's got to go embrace with the, the the touch of gray just for yeah. Me. Instead of the uh, yeah, instead of dump, dumping a can of black paint on his head, but he'll probably have a, a fresh paint job for the World Series. I'm guessing. Yeah, I hope not. I hope someone actually got to him, but he might try to match the tuxedo, so it might look really good. Might look really good, and then you know he'll do the Donald Trump thing. It's my hair. This is my hair. So, so we'll see. Mets versus Royals. Harvey is game one. I don't know who the Royals have announced for game one, but who are you picking out of this world? Who's going to win the World Series? You know. Uh, my 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 gut is telling me that the Royals are are ready to go for for this. Um, I think the Mets pitching staff is is far and away better. I think uh, you cannot rely on Johnny Cueto. That's that's pretty obvious. I mean, he's pitched one good game, one good game that I can remember. Uh, you know, pretty much since he's gone, come over to the Royals, he's had a five ERA in the regular season since he was traded, and then he's had a couple of disaster starts in the postseason. Yes, he did have a, a very good. Um, uh, start for the Royals game uh, when five. They needed it. Game, yeah, game five. Game five against the Astros was very good. And he and he stepped up. I mean, he I think he let up two early runs, but then kind of locked it down towards the end of the game, uh, or you know for the rest of the game and pitched into the eighth. So you know who knows if Cueto shows up, then then it's a you know their pitching staff is a lot better. But I mean the Mets, you can't deny the Mets pitching staff right now. One through five. If you go, you could go five deep. You could go six deep if you're talking about Cologne to get you five innings. Um, but I mean, one one through five, they're filthy. They really are. They're really talented, and it seems like these guys, they they really do have the pitching staff I'm talking about now have have that mentality that they're not going to lose. They go out there and they're going to pitch well and they're going to win the game. I, I feel like they're young enough and dumb enough. We've talked about that. I think we, we talked about that when we were referencing the Cubs, but. This Mets pitching staff really has that that young, confident. Just don't. I don't care about anything. I'm dumb to the rest of the world. I'm going to go out there, throw strikes, and I'm going to dominate. Attitude, and honestly, that's going to be tough. But that being said, I think the Royals' offense is a lot more seasoned. 
and and they're and they're more they're they're ready they're more ready than the Cubs are. I think I think the Cubs are the Royals a couple of years ago. Um, I think the the lineup is a little bit different in the in the makeup itself, but as far as the young guys and, and you know getting their experience and things like that, so I think the Royals are ready to take the next step mentally. Yeah, I mean the Cubs are an all or nothing offense. They either strike out or hit home runs. Where the Royals are a more contact gap hitting team, they're not going to strike out a lot, and I think that'll play better against the Mets pitching. I'm not going to say they're going to crush the Mets pitching. That's not going to happen. No, it's but not going. I I could see them wearing the Mets pitching down better than the Cubs could because. I mean, the Cubs basically couldn't get any leadoff hitters on. If they didn't hit a home run, they didn't score. And most of them were solo home runs. But I, I, I see the Royals manufacturing runs. They're sort of like a National League team in an American League body. Um, and, and I think their bullpen has a very big edge over the Mets. So I think if the Royals, you know, sort of get the Mets, uh, you know, starters out in the sixth or seventh inning, and it's a close game, it's, if it's a tie game, I, can, I see their bullpen winning that matchup late in the game. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think they are going to manufacture more runs. I mean, we saw you saw it with the with with Kane scoring from first. I mean, these guys know how to run the bases. They know how to get on. They know how to move. They know how to move runners over, and they know how to score runs. And when you're not just depending on the long ball, you can you can do a lot more things. I feel like you more you have more confidence as a as an offense. So, you know, I think it's really I think the the X factor is the is the Royals pitching. If the Royals can throw up some quality starts. Uh, and, and keep themselves in the game late, then I think they have uh, a very good chance to win the World Series. If they don't, if if the uh, if the Mets pitching staff kind of uh, you know just comes out and dominates and, and they're and they're getting runs off these guys, then it's going to be uh, it's going to be a short series. And what the, Mets could, the Mets could absolutely put it away. It's been what six days for the Mets. It'll be six days for the Mets since they last played. That's, yeah, and that, I feel big. like it's not a good thing for them. No, that's terrible. I mean, with the way Murphy was hitting, when you yeah. sit for six days, you get cold. You were on such a good streak. That That's terrible, especially for a hitter. I mean, for the pitchers, you can get your bullpen work in, and you, the rest does you good at this time of the season. But when you're a hitter, you want to you get up there against live pitching every day when you're hot. Well, and especially a guy like Daniel Murphy, who was just completely unconscious hitting the ball, and you know he's not used to doing that. He, I, you know, Just his, listening to his postgame game. Press conferences. He's like, I don't know. I have no explanation. <laughs> I have no idea why this is happening. This, I don't know. I don't know. So, you know, like, that's a guy that you need to keep going, staying hot, just just keep going and keep going. Whereas, like you were mentioning, the Royals can kind of figure out more ways to score runs and not just rely on, you know, a Daniel Murphy uh, home run every single game or uh, a Cespedes shot. And, and Cespedes is kind of banged up, too. So there's, there's some question marks definitely with the Mets going in. But their pitching staff right now is firing on all cylinders. I wonder what the Vegas odds on this World Series matchup were six months ago. Yeah, especially when the when the Mets before the All Star break. If anybody put some money on that, um, I, you know what? I would love to see. I would love a story to come out that Bobby Bonilla like put a whole bunch of money on the Mets in, in like <laughs> put a year June. worth of year yeah. worth of million yeah, one point yeah, two like million June. dollars on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That'd be awesome. That would be a terrific story. Um, so I hope Bobby. I hope you're listening, and I hope you put some money on the Mets in in like June. And I think I was one of the people beginning of the season that predicted the Royals to go back to 500. So it shows what I know about baseball. All right. Uh, so in honor of the World Series, I have a very difficult question to ask you. Out of all the Yankee championships, the, the five titles that we've witnessed as, uh, as we were alive, what, what stands out to you the most? Which one do you remember most? Which one's most important to you? That's uh, 100% 1996. Okay. It was 96 to me is the most memorable because it was the it was the beginning of the new era, and you could kind of see it. Um, and to me, it was a little it was a bittersweet in the sense that Mattingly was my guy. Mattingly was my favorite player growing up, and the the fact that he had gone out, um, he had to retire that year because of his back. Basically, he wasn't getting playing time, and he just wasn't healthy. And they got booted from the um, the playoffs by the Mariners the year before. It, I don't know. It was it was it was bittersweet to me because they they did win it, but the, he wasn't on the team, and, and that's why it's very memorable because it was a it was a transition period, and you know I was 16 years old at that point, so I was very much like in my fandom like on my own. You know what I mean? Like I think when you're like four, 13 to to 13 and on, you're almost on your own. You're not depending on parents or relatives or whatever. You, you can you can kind of make your own uh, decisions and and uh, 
and, and kind of remember your own things and, and just kind of go for your guys. Yeah. And uh, th- man, I was I was all in. I mean, I was I was I lived and breathed New York Yankees. Oh my god, I'm thinking about you. So you had all those championships from 16 to 21. That's like yeah. the best years to have all those championships. And I tell you, when I was in college. I was in college from 98 to 03. I took the five-year tour. And I, a lot of my buddies, just I don't, it just happened this way. A lot of my buddies were Boston fans. And these guys, I went to Old Dominion University in Norfolk, Virginia. And these guys moved down from, uh, they came down from New Hampshire, both guys from New Hampshire, actually, and one from uh, Boston. And uh, I, I, somehow, like, three of, like, my six or seven best friends were from up there. And so I was just, you know, they hated me. They hated me because it was like the it was like the the greatest time ever to be a Yankees fan and the worst time ever to be a Red Sox fan. Yeah, you so, got out. You got out right before the, the yeah. Worst they all moved year. back. <laughs> a lot of them moved back right as right as the yeah, the Red Sox the Red Sox won. So it yeah, was uh, I was slightly too young. I was eight when they won in '96. So that's okay. it was like just a little bit too young. I remember it. I remember watching my dad, you know, telling me to watch it, but I was just a little bit too young to really appreciate it. So even the '98 one. I mean, the what I remember most about those couple, first couple is rewatching all the highlights, and and obviously the players were all the same for the next decade, so that that helped. But I think 2000 to me sticks out the most. Um, it was the Subway Series. I was old enough to remember watching it. Also, um, it was really the la- I mean, it was the last one for a while, but. After you know, two, starting in two thousand one, then we got started getting to the big free agents with Mike Messina, and then a year later with Jason Giambi, and then Hideki Matsui. It was like two thousand was the last year that they won of of just like the that that old just all homegrown and and all those like um, veterans that they brought in that really won together. So that that really I think sticks out to me. Yeah, nice. No, it's it's funny when you think about the when people, you know, you and me or whoever else is listening. It's older than me or younger than you. You know where they were in their life when these when these things happened or you know when the championships happened. Because I think it's very it's very telling where you are in your life and how you remember it at that point. You know, like I was in college, at, at in in party scenes at that point, and I'm like all in. I remember I remember the Aaron Boone home run, like that game. Yep. I had a flag football game and I left I literally left early. It was like the semifinals in like the university championship and I left early to go, because there's no DVR at that point. And I left early to go me and the 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 guy who was a Red Sox fan, we left to go watch that game. Um and uh you know, I just th- those memories are very, very much. I, I don't have very many memories from college because they're all fuzzy. <laughs> but for some reason, those those actually stick stuck in my in my brain. So well, it's like with my dad. He always talks to me about the Bucky Dent game in '78 as being quite possibly the greatest day of his life. Yeah, and, and so he was like that '78 or '77, '78 championships. That that's when he was in his 20s and and really appreciating those. And then yep. in '09, I was in college for the '09 one. And I remember I have two very good friends who are Yankee fans that I went to school with. And after they won, we just went out in the front yard of my house and just sprayed champagne everywhere. But there weren't <laughs> really many Yankee fans because we were in Vermont. It's Red Sox territory. So, yep. yeah, so those, some, some of those things you remember. That's kind of sweet, though, too, because then, you know, you can spray Red Sox fans with champagne. Yeah, I had to live through the 07 championship in college, though. And I remember there was a, a like a parade that went through campus right after that game four sweep. Awful, awful. All right, so we got we we put out the call for mailbag and we got a great response. We have like five or six or six or seven great questions to get to. Instead of you know talking about topics that you and I maybe bring up, let's just read off these mailbags and, and sort of talk about what people who are listening want to want to talk about. Yeah, and this is something we're going to do a lot more in the off season. Um, you know, we've we've been listen. First of all, we listen to you guys. I mean, when you come, when you say or something, or if you make a suggestion, we're all ears. And and Andrew and I are pretty flexible as far as how we're going to do this show in the off season. This is our first go at it too. You know, so so um, you know, more suggestions the better. And obviously, we want to talk Yankees as much as possible. But in the off season. You know the the content's definitely a little bit less. So the more you guys are uh, sending in mailbags, the the you know the more stuff we can talk about and the more things we have to talk about. Yeah, so, I mean we had I had notes for a ton of NFL stuff that we just killed because of all the yeah. questions that came in. So it's yeah, good. That's it's good. good thing. That's exactly what we want. Yeah, no doubt. So this first one is from Trent Ortiz. 
He said, if the Yankees really don't want to use Ref Snyder, what do you think they'll do for second base next year? Do you think they'll use Ackley or maybe pursue some outside options? Well, thanks, Trent. I appreciate you, uh, you, you chiming in. And, Andrew, you want to take this one first, and I'll hit, I'll hit you afterwards? Yeah, so, I, I mean, you and I are definitely on the same page. We hope they use Ref Snyder. Um, I, I think we've beaten that horse to death, woken it up, and then beaten it to death again. Um, yeah, I mean, I could definitely see an Ackley Ref Snyder platoon, and it's just a dogfight to see who wins the job. But, you know, he, he Trent mentioned outside options, and I was going through the free agent list, and there's really no... I mean, there's no Robinson Cano on the open market for to bring in for second base. The biggest guy is Ben Zobrist. And I was sort of looking up his stats. Well, first of all, I didn't realize he was 34 years old. Um, it's older than I thought Zobrist was. I thought he was more in, you know, 31, 32 range. Not, you know, not that that's a huge difference, but it is a difference. So I was thinking, it was like, what is a 32-year-old Ben Zobrist who averages, you know, about 10 to 15 home runs a year, 30 doubles, 270, 275 hitter, definitely good player, versatile player, but he's not a superstar. You know, what's he going to get on the open market at 34 years old? And I sort of came up with the, the Carlos Beltran contract, which was three years and 45 million, 15 million a year. And like, that's about what his market is going to be. Do you see the Yankees going, extending themselves to that length for Zobrist? No, I definitely don't. And, and you, I mean, yeah, you're right. I think it's, you're pretty close as far as the numbers. Uh, maybe, I think somewhere in between 10 and 15. Uh, I mean, we saw Stephen Drew get a one-year $10 million contract. Um, so, I mean, there's there's definitely a bar set there. But see, look, when you say those numbers, when you when you say, when you blindly say 270, 10 to 15 home runs, 30 doubles, I am fully confident that Rob Refsnyder in a full season could do that. I, I truly believe, like, that's kind of where he is. I feel like he's that guy. Maybe even a little bit of a higher batting average. But I, I do see him in the 10 to 15 home run range, 30 plus doubles, on a high on base percentage. Maybe well, I, I see I mean, him I, as more I, of a 280 hitter. I see him becoming that. I don't necessarily see him. No, I could absolutely see him out of the gate doing that. I could <laughs> see him out of the gate doing something like that. I don't think 10 home runs is a big stretch. No, but like, I mean, 30, 30 doubles is a lot of doubles. I mean, it, listen, I mean, not... Okay, I'm not saying he's far off of that. Regardless of it, if if it's 10 home runs and 20 doubles or 15 home runs and 30, whatever it is, we right. agree that, that Ref Snyder with 550 at-bats can give you at least 80% of what Zobris gives you at... One one hundredth of the cost, and he's a right-handed bat full time, and he's a he's a a farm system guy, and, and fans will get behind him. I mean, it just would seem crazy to me to extend yourself for a guy like Zobris when you have you got to see what you have in Ref Snyder. I think. Well, and and also think about this. Didn't we just hear reports at the as the season ended when Cashman was giving his last interviews and talking about kind of the wrap up of the season and he was saying that how he denied a a trade for for Ben Zobrist a uh, Ben Zobrist for Rob Refsnyder and another piece I think it was I mean that's essentially what you're saying right yeah, there right that's essentially Warren. what we're talking it was Adam about Warren. it was Adam Warren so that's I mean that's essentially what we're talking about right there is 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 that the Yankees would prefer Ben Zobrist over Ref, Rob Refsnyder and they'd just be making that in the offseason and keeping Adam Warren. Because Ref Snyder would be buried at that point. I mean, if you sign three years, then you know he's he's buried. He's probably getting traded. So, you know, you know, I know that they didn't play him until they had to, until Stephen Drew got dizzy, and I like saying that just because I think it's a little bit funny. <laughs> but he, um, but you know, he wasn't played until he had to. And but when he did play, as I've good. said in the past, he was good. He was filthy. He was nasty. He was good, and he was not a liability in the field. He was not any of these things that they said he was. He was what we all thought he was and what you and I have been talking about since midseason. He was a guy who got on base, had a little bit of power. He's got some pop. Play, he's an athletic guy. Played a, a solid defense, a solid second base, I'd say. And, you know, and, and he, he, was, he was who we thought he was, <laughs> you know? And we let he him off was the hook. who we thought he was. And we, yeah. And, and the Yankees let Steven Drew off the hook. It's, it's nonsense. Anyway, well, I don't want Ben Zobris. I don't want him. So, so Trent, this is what I say to you. I see them giving Ref Snyder a look. I see them giving him an extended look, and I think he's going to make the team, and I think he's going to play. Yes, I think Ackley's going to be there and is going to be kind of the security blanket, and I do see them platooning maybe a little bit versus uh, you know right-handed pitching. I could see Ackley getting more at-bats. Um, but, you know, in my heart of heart, man, I truly hope that they give Rob, Rob, Rob Ref Snyder a real look, a real opportunity to win that job. Yeah, I mean, if they if they flip Ref Snyder for a pitcher or something like that, I'm not going to be super pissed because 
you know, I, you always say pitching over over offense, but but they got to give Ref Snyder a chance. In, but what are they going to get? Another they're going to get another Ivan Nova. They're going to get a Mike Leak. They're going to get a guy that we we have like forty of those guys. No, but no, I mean you I can don't want any them. of them. You can package them. I I don't want. I want Rob Ref Snyder to play for the New York Yankees. Have you bought your Ref Snyder shirt yet? God damn. I, I'm going to make one. I'm what gonna number call is he? Him. 60, 67 or something? He might get a new number when he comes into the next spring. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I, I don't want him being flipped for a pitcher like that. I really don't. I mean, I don't I, want it to happen. I'm just saying that it, it, I could see it happening. But it, what, I'm gonna, what I will be pissed about is if he goes into spring training and all the reports are always oh, competing well, you know he's he's improved in the off season and then and then come opening day he's they stuck him in screen. I'm gonna be pissed. Yeah, he's gonna be right next to Greg Bird. It's a lethal two three combo in the Scranton lineup though. <laughs> all right, thanks Trent. All right, so this next one is from Remy Mike or Mike Remy. We go. I'm sure you can go by both. What do you think the, the Yankees will do with Gardner? Can you see them going after a guy like Jason Hayward? <clears throat> so when Hayward was have he had a good AL or NLDS against the Cubs, and Yankees Twitter was in love with Jason Hayward. Um, listen, Jason Hayward's a good player, but do we really need another left-handed hitting outfielder that's going to cost us a hundred million dollars? No, is that really what this team needs? <clears throat> Um, to his I was point, just going to ask you to, to remind me if he was a left-handed hitter because I was pretty sure he was. Yes, <laughs> and the fact uh, that he's a left-handed hitter, I just, just I, I don't know. It, it takes him out of the. It just I don't want him. I mean, if you you're going to extend yourself for an outfielder, it, it, do it for Justin Upton because exactly. he's a right-handed bat. Absolutely, and, and I think he's a better player all around than Jason. I think he Hayward. is a better player. I would like to see. I would actually like to see them go after Justin Upton. I think he has <laughs> a, a, well, a very good piece for this. this well, this then team. you're definitely going to be trading Gardner, um, which is which is I think is an option that Cashman needs to explore this offseason because Gardner has a tradable contract. I think he makes like 13 million a year. Listen. He's not. We saw him fade in the second half, but I still think you can sell him as a guy who's a top of the order hitter who can hit 15 home runs, who will get on base, who who is capable of stealing bases when he wants to. <laughs> At least he's fast. <laughs> At least he's fast, and he's a good left fielder. He's a very good left fielder. Um, yes, he is. You could trade him. It's a tradable contract, and I think he can maybe paired with somebody. Um, in the system or, or pairing him with like Ivan Nova or something can get you a return, either a right-handed bat or a pitcher. And then if you want to sign Justin Upton, you can sign Justin Upton. But but they, they do need to do something with Gardner. They need to either figure out a way to play him less or they need to trade him. Yeah, he's definitely a big a big talking point this offseason just because of the way he faded and because of his contract. You know, and, and it's a shame because he and Ellsbury are very the way that they've the way that they showed this year, they're very similar players. Yep. Um, I think Ellsbury has a little bit more popper. He has in the past. He's not shown it Man, since I don't he's been even, here. I don't, he had one season of thirty home yeah, runs. Yeah, he really hasn't been, shown it. He, he really has not teams. shown it. I think I think they probably have equal power, which just goes to show you how bad of a contract that Ellsbury contract is. But the problem is, is that contract. That's the that's the problem with with the two of them because obviously Ellsbury would be the piece that you'd want to get rid of over but Gardner. No one's taken him. But no one's taking that contract. You're no one's to, taking that contract. Eat, you'd have to eat like eighty percent of it. So as much as we would rather the the latter and have the the Ellsbury get moved over Gardner, it's if you look at the numbers, it's just not feasible. It's not. It doesn't work um, unless unless someone was taking a big leap of faith and 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 Cashman just completely pulled the rug out on somebody. I, I just don't see that happening. But so Gardner is that piece. Where, that that could get moved. Uh, you know, I know Yankee fans don't want him to get moved because he's a fan favorite. He's a homegrown guy. I get it. Uh, but when you look at the the numbers, you know, he is one of those guys that can be moved. And Justin Upton is one of those guys that he fits this lineup a hell of a lot better because of the right-handed bat. He's got power. Uh, he's just a good overall player. He's a hell of a lot better than his brother. He's he's played it in two different. He's, he's gone to um, Atlanta. He's gone to uh, San Diego, and he's shown very well. He was in what Arizona, I think, starting. Yeah, he's shown very well everywhere he's gone. Uh, he's been pretty consistent. So he's a guy that I would definitely look for. And what is he like? Twenty nine, thirty, thirty, thirty one, thirty. 
He's he's around there, right? Looking it up. He and I think David Wright are, are probably around the same age. Maybe I think they're a little bit younger. The right, the Upton's twenty eight. Oh, is he that? He's really that young. Yeah. So that's even better. That, that makes him even more appealing to me. I thought he was twenty nine. I mean, he's going to get a huge contract. Yeah. So I think this is a good. This could be a good landing spot for him um, if the Yankees were to go that route. Definitely. Um, all right. Thanks for. We do have a right-handed bat though waiting in the wings with Aaron Judge. We just don't. I, I don't know that the Yankees are ready to do anything with him yet. I think uh, you know if he does come up, it's going to be late in the season. Yeah, I think. Well, he could light it up in spring training in the first couple of months, though. And you never know. I mean, yeah. Then we'll just then we'll just call for him all year, and he'll be buried in AAA. If we'll we tweet, if we tweet Judgment Day, if we tweet hashtag Judgment Day enough, maybe Cashman will listen. If everybody buys a Judgment Day shirt, maybe. Yeah. And where is it outside Yankee Stadium in Cashman's office? Maybe. Maybe he'll come up. <laughs> All right. Appreciate the question, Remy. Uh, what do we got next? Mark Schaefer. So many questions, he says. <laughs> I get it. I get it, Mark. There's a lot of, there's a lot of questions this offseason. So I'm going to read through these. Do they try and get one or two, uh, one or two starter like Price? His, my answer, he will want too many years. Kind of agree with that. No pitcher over 30 should get more than four years. How do you keep Gardner fresh for the second half? Or do you move him, do you move him for a right-handed bat? Second base is an issue because it's an open spot, but I don't see any reasonable outcome as having a major impact on playoff chances next year. How do they get younger? Where will Bird play next year? So I had an issue with Mark's uh, question or statement here where he said that no matter what, this, he doesn't see second base having a reasonable impact on the playoff chances. I, I mean, I definitely disagree with that because I think even if they played Ref Snyder this year for the entire second half, that could have had an impact on playoff chances. And I think if you if 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 Ref Snyder can hit like we think he can hit and play average second base, he doesn't need to be a Gold Glover. He just needs to not suck. If he can, for conversation, say two, say two seventy, ten to fifteen home runs, 30, 30 doubles. I mean, I, I don't think that's outrageous to say. That definitely can help you get into the playoffs. I mean, yeah. when you're t- he's going to hit eight or ninth. That that extends the lineup. That gives you depth that you didn't have this year. That could be a huge lift for this team. And we don't know what the lineup's going to look like at the top next year if if Ellsbury and Gardner are both here. But we still have that lefty lefty. So having a right handed bat that can get on base that has a good uh, batting average that that can actually you know show up there, it, it really helps the lineup up because it breaks up that that lefty lefty thing. At least you get some righty beforehand, whereas you don't have Didi um, batting in the eight spot and you break up that it would be lefty lefty lefty. You know, there's there's a, there's a spot there to, to, that a right-handed bat is very much needed. And the fact that he does get on base is a huge deal because the way that this Yankee lineup was constructed, it was the top of the order or slash the bottom of the order, depending on how you're looking at it, about the inning plays out, has to get on base for the three, four, five guys, six, seven guys. I mean, they have to get on base. If you don't get on base and you do hit a home run, there are going to be a lot of solo shots like we saw a lot this year. And you're not going to score runs. So they with the also, current makeup, the current makeup, you need guys on base, and, and absolutely he helps that. They also need youth. They need youth in the lineup that's not going to get tired after 140 games, and that's what happened this year. They got tired and they faded. Young guys don't get tired. Old guys get tired. They have too many old guys. Look around the playoffs right now. We've said this. I know. There's young youth is winning. <laughs> the youth movement is winning the playoffs right now. Yeah, in the in the PED list baseball world young guys do better than old guys just like it was for a hundred years before the 90s came along it's not science. uh to his point though about going after a guy like price or cueto or or some of the other big names and i think we have another question about that uh from somebody else but i i agree with mark on this i do not want to give a 30 plus year old pitcher another cc contract and then no. we're sitting there Five years down the down the road, and like, holy shit, what do we do with David Price? He sucks, and we're paying him thirty million dollars. I do not want that. No, I don't want that either. We've we need to learn from our mistakes. We need to learn. I'm not even going to call it a mistake because you know CC was an integral part. CC was not a mistake. No, I agree. I I, I take that back. I'm Maybe sorry, giving him the extension was a mistake, but the initial CC the signing, extension was ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> but yes, the initial contract was not a mistake. But the fact is. 
I don't want to see any more long-term contracts like that with guys over 30. I totally agree. Mark, you're right on uh, right on it with that one. Absolutely not. So, yes, I want to see more young guys come up. I want to see them make smaller moves. Um, you know, a guy like Jordan Zimmerman, he comes up later too. But that's a guy I, I would look at. All right, cool. What do we got next? Greg Wilson, do you think Masahiro Tanaka will be 100% next year? And what do you think he will uh, he'll perform like? You want to take this one first? Sure. So I, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, I, I get real sick and tired. Uh, this year I was getting really just, I was so sick of hearing about his injury because to me, you know, his injury, as far as getting re-injured, it, it became a non-factor. Tanaka proved that he was healthy. He pitched primarily all year. He had an injury that that was not related to his elbow. And but we just got to say, hey, look, he, he's healthy. He's ready to go. And, and this is what we got. Do I, do I think that he um, pitched as well as he did the first year? Absolutely not. He did not pitch as well. But saying that he is damaged goods at this point, I, I can't agree with that because I saw too many good performances from him. So I think he's going to come back. Um, and I know we're gonna. He had a, a minor surgery as well uh, yeah. in the off season. Surprise! <laughs> but it's a bone spur. That's where did that come from? It happens. It happens all the time. People blow that stuff out of proportion. It's not a big deal. It happens all the time. They even said they knew about it. It wasn't an issue. It, they've it's a known about spur. it since he was in Japan. Exactly. So it's a non-issue. It wasn't something they were worried it's about. Just, it's just funny how it's like they just drop it. I think it was like Tuesday morning at 11 a.m. I just see tweets. But it's from one of those off-season cleanup jobs. That's that's all it is. It's not like those things. It's like scar tissue. You get rid of it in the off-season. That's what you do, and you're fine. Um, if, if anything else, if anything, it helps. I, I think Tanaka is going to be a guy that's never healthy for a whole season. I think that um, it, it's just one. It's just a situation that the Yankees are going to have to deal with. Maybe they misdiagnosed him coming out of Japan. You know, he's only tw- he was only twenty five when they signed him, so you figured it was not a risky signing to sign him to long term contract. But he just always seems to get these little injuries. You know, the wrist is hurt, the elbows hurt, um, and I just. It, I don't ever expect him to make 30 to 35 starts in a season. And I hope he proves me wrong, but I expect him to always spend, you know, 15 to 30 days on the DL every season. And I think that's just the reality of it. I mean, 15 days, a couple of stints on the DL, you know, a stint on the, on the, uh, on the, on the, on the on the disabled list is not the worst thing in the world for him in the middle of the season. Yeah, as long as it's not an extended an extended absence. If he's getting some rest, we yes, he was signed he was signed young, but we know what the Japanese do. They throw a lot of pitches. They throw a ridiculous amount of pitches, and they throw on a different schedule. So sometimes it takes a little bit of time to get used to that as well. Um, so look, I I don't think he's hurt. I, I think I think a lot of this injury was very overblown because of the. The, you know because he's such a high highly regarded pitcher and we paid a lot of money for him and he's a superstar coming over from Japan but the reality is that there's a lot of guys pitching in Major League Baseball right now who have a very similar injury that nobody talks about so, so I, I got I got nothing it. to huh you said that he was not as good this year as he was last year and I agree what do you figure he was eighty percent as good as he was last year so what do you what do you attribute? I don't think it was eighty percent what do you think it was whatever whatever it was it wasn't as good what do you attribute the the decline in performance is it is it just talent is it injury is it it could hitters? be a lot of the fact hitters that are figuring him out well, yeah, yes, what is a lot more tape on him now there's they've, they've seen him before i mean you're, you're gonna you're gonna look for uh, a slight decline in your second year now it's on him to make the adjustments to come back and and see if we can you know overcome those things so I don't think it's absolutely out of the out of the norm for. I mean, it's, it's a sophomore slump for a reason. People have seen you, and then they make adjustments. Now it's your turn as the pitcher to make your adjustments. Now you've seen all the batters again, so, so now you're now it's your turn to make the adjustments. Do you think he was he, still throwing as hard? I, I'm not saying he was injured. I was just I, I was just you know I was just asking you know because I agree there was a there was a decline in performance, and I'm I don't know what the reason was. Um, I, I don't think he is a quote-unquote ace. I don't think he's a number one stud pitcher who you have confidence. He's going to go out there when they need it most and shut the team down. I think that he's a very good pitcher, a high-end number two, who will always keep you in games. I mean, even look at the, the playoff game against uh, Houston. 
He didn't have his great stuff, but 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 they were there. I mean, I don't know the offense didn't do anything, but they didn't get blown out. They they were in the game. I think it was three nothing. Um, so I think that he, that's what he is. He's not an ace, but but he's 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 just below. He's not the that. typical hoss ace that you see. He's not, he's not like a big Roger Clemens type who's going to throw ninety eight miles an hour and blow people away. He's not that guy. He's not what the Americans want as an ace, right? The, <laughs> It's true. You know, we look at an ace, we look at a, like a, a big hoss dude. We look at Nathan Ovaldi, but we look at a guy like, you know, of stature to come in and close down a game. He's well, not I mean, that guy. But I yes, mean, he, Jacob deGrom is the Mets ace and the guy weighs 130 pounds soaking wet. I mean, it's, yeah, but he's it's like just six, about seven. He's huge. He's a big dude. He And he throws 98 miles an hour. It's a it's a different story. He's a totally different pitcher. He's a power pitcher. Tanaka's not a power pitcher. Tanaka relies on movement, late break, and location. He's more of like a Mike Mussina type guy. Was Mike Mussina an ace? He was for a few. He was for a good amount of time with the Yankees. I mean, he proved that he could do it. There's guys like that who can do it. Now, it's I think it's on Tanaka for next year to make the adjustments and see what we can do. And, you know, he's got another year of, of rest and let his arm get back, elbows, spur, bone spurs gone, all that crap gone from his elbow. Maybe that was affecting him in, in, in a discomfort way. Maybe. Maybe he was gutting it out through that. But, you know, I, I don't have a lack of confidence in him. And I don't think he's injury prone either. I just think he's a guy – that was he was probably pitching hurt a little bit, um, and maybe these bone spurs were there. Maybe he was adjusting to things, but I don't think it's going to affect him uh, being out long term. I don't think that elbow is an issue. Is my kind of structurally, I don't think that elbow is an issue. I hope you're right. I hope you're right because they got a boatload of money invested in him, and they need him. So, all right. So Greg had a couple of questions. So why don't we get to the next one? The next one was. Should the New York Yankees hire Mattingly as a hitting or bench coach? Obviously, Mattingly just got let go, or they part. They decided to part ways mutually uh, with the Dodgers after they uh, after they lost. And I think you know it was widely speculated. You and I talked about this. We kind of saw that one coming. So yeah, I well, I mean, there's reports today that he's the leader for the Marlins job, which I don't know why. I mean. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why he wants to go and manage the Florida Marlins, but whatever. Um, regardless, I mean, the Yankees chose Girardi over him to manage the team a few years ago. I mean, they're going to call him back up and be like, oh, yo, hey, Donnie Ball, you want to come be our bench coach? That's kind of a slap in the face, I would think. Um, I know fans would love it, but I don't see that happening. Um, he's going to continue managing. And, yeah, I mean, I, I hope he gets a job. He'll probably get the Marlins job. I don't think he's a great manager. I think that what he, I think he showed his, so it was interesting because everything, I mean, I didn't really watch him play as a player much because I was too young, but everything I've read and heard is that he was a tough nosed player, gritty guy, but he kind of managed soft, which is interesting because when he didn't play Chase Hutley in game three of the NLDS after that whole fiasco, he totally lost me. You need to play Utley. That would have been, I think, the right call there. It would have, it would have gotten in the Mets' heads, and he didn't do it. It was a soft move, in my opinion. And I think, I, I just don't think he's a very good manager. So, as far as a player, I mean, he was tough as nails, but as far like he wasn't the most outgoing guy in the world. And I think you're seeing that personality where he he's very, you know, he's a lot more uh, low, you know, kind of laid back. Um, I don't see him coming to the Yankees right now as a as a as a bench coach or a hitting coach or anything like that because I mean one you 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 mentioned it they were both in the running Girardi and Mattingly for the job you can't really bring him in it's like it's like bringing in your 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 replacement early and and seeing if you do well I mean that Girardi look over his shoulder I mean what would the working relationship be there there's just too many things that could go wrong I think with that with that dynamic um, so I don't see that happening and I don't see Mattingly taking a step back because. While they didn't perform as well in the in the postseason, last I looked, he did win three straight division titles, and he he he. You know, I, I don't think that lineup was or that uh that roster was a was a great. I mean, there were some good, there were a lot of very good players in there, but I think there were a lot of holes in that roster as well. I, I really didn't understand the the fact that they they traded D Gordon either. I thought that was a bonehead move in my opinion, but you know, like there's there's things that were flawed in that lineup, and um. So uh, you know, and I, I, I could 
be completely honest, I don't watch enough Dodger games to like really understand his managerial style. Um, but I don't think he's going to take a step back. I could see him possibly sitting out a year and waiting for the job that he wants. Maybe the Yankees job comes ab- about in a year from now. That's possible. Um, but I don't see him coming over now. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, um, with with him in the Dodgers, you're right. The the roster for the Dodgers is flawed, which is funny to say because they spent $300 million on payroll this year. Uh, but, yeah, it was a flawed roster. They had the two ace pitchers. Other than that, they had one hitter, essentially, Adrian Gonzalez. The whole Puig thing was a whole mess. I, mean, I just feel like they— He really turned out to be a disaster, man. Yeah. He was terrible at the yeah. end of the year. And he, his attitude is—, is is terrible. I mean, you can maybe blame that a little bit on Mattingly, but um, I mean, that's also on the player. You gotta, you, you, I mean, if the player doesn't want to play the right way, it's hard to make him sometimes, especially well, when you when you paid him. You paid him not a ton of money, but you, he did get you know fifty million dollars or whatever it was. So some of that incentive is also gone. The, the um, one, the one thing, the one thing I will say about Mattingly's personality is I don't think he will deal with that nonsense, that showboat attitude. He, he, he's a guy who plays the game the right way, and he doesn't care for that prima donna attitude, and he's not going to play down to it. Um, he's not like Tory in the sense that he can manage. I think those, those very polarizing and 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 big personalities. Um, I think he's more of an old school baseball guy that that you know wants you to look follow. The, Toe the company line, play baseball the way I want you to play baseball, and play the game right. Well, maybe that'll be good that for the Marlins then. Maybe I, I don't, again, I don't know enough about the Marlins either. Are they bad in that way? I have no idea. No clue. Nor do I care. No. <laughs> All right. So Greg's third question is about Jordan Zimmerman and the possibilities of him coming to New York. Um, Zimmerman, I just looked up, is 29 years old. He'll be 30 uh, in May of next year. He's a free agent. He's a good pitcher. I wouldn't call him a great pitcher, but a, a 30-year-old pitcher, we just talked about this, is going to get five years plus. And um, I just, if you're going to extend, if, if you're going to extend for somebody, I would prefer to extend for somebody a little bit better than Zimmerman. Yeah, again, uh, I'm getting older and I, I feel like people are staying younger, but they're not. They're also getting older, which is... I guess it makes sense. Um, he uh, Father he, time, Scott. Father time. I thought he was like 27. But no, he's if he's he's approaching 30, uh, and yeah, he's going to go for a four or five-year, probably five-year deal. At least five. Uh, that's a guy that I don't, I don't know if I, I go that five years. I mean, that, I'll tell you what, a five-year contract with a 30-year-old player and, you know, all National League. Yeah, that's just, I'm getting flashbacks of Carl Pavano is what's happening to me right now. You mean Nathan Avaldi? Bite your tongue. He <laughs> was our Cy Young this year, remember? <laughs> yes, I do. I do remember that. All right, so uh, what's our next question here? All right, so actually our next one is a voicemail from Kevin Larkin, who is in uh, a group that I'm in on Facebook. I, I said I was going to shout them out, and I do want to shout them out because they have a, a, a good uh, a good engaging group on Facebook. If you're on Facebook, check them out. They're called Yankees Friends. They have about 3,000 uh, people in there who are Yankees fans and just pretty much talk Yankees all day long. So thanks, Kevin, for calling in, and um, here's his voicemail. Hi, Scott. It's Kevin Larkin, deep from inside of the Red Sox Nation. But we all know that the Yankee universe rules. So you had asked a question before about what we may be worried about next year. And I think we have a threefold problem. And I think it starts with Alex Rodriguez. Not that he is a problem. But the Yankees are going to have to decide whether or not he's going to play as well as he did this year. If he does, and it and he ends up gauging, which he probably will do because he won't be able to play the field. Then we have to decide to do what with Mark Teixeira. And I think that's important because of the emergence of Greg Bird. For what Bird played, he was more than capable of filling in the role, although I do think we'll lose something with Teixeira's glove because I think his glove saved a lot of runs for us. If A-Rod plays, then obviously... Bird would play first base, and I would trade Teixeira. If A-Rod cannot go, then I think you can put Teixeira and Bird and alternate them in the DH roles. If you have to get rid of Teixeira, though, I think you have to package him with somebody else. If Sabathia comes back okay, 
Then we trade Nova and Teixeira and try to get another pitching arm. The other reason I would trade Nova is he's very, very inconsistent. That we'd have a starting rotation of Severino, Sabathia, Tanaka, and then um, I think we would be all right. Those would be our top three. And I think we're setting real good. Have a good one, everybody, and let's go Yankees. All right, thanks, Kevin. Uh, a lot of stuff in that voicemail. I think we did cut out a little bit um, just in the interest of time, but uh, really thanks for the voicemail. We want to get the voicemail going. I believe we had some technical difficulties with the voicemail line where the it wasn't picking up and it was just ringing, uh, so that's on us. I don't think we realized we didn't call We it. had no idea. We hadn't called told- it in a while. So <laughs> Yeah. He said it today. It was like it just keeps ringing and ringing and ringing, but apparently it's been doing that for a while. So yeah. apologies if you're trying to call. It's all fixed. We're ready to go with it. And that number is 646-480-0342. But back to Kevin's question, he sort of laid out uh, an issue with A-Rod um, being that, um, you know, is he going to be as good next year as he was this year? And then, you know, with the Teixeira saga going on, will they trade him? Will they not trade him? What to do with him? Um First, on the A-Rod thing, I don't think the Yankees can assume A-Rod's going to be as good as he was this year. I think it, it, I think that he could be, but I think it would be foolish of them to assume you're going to get 30 and 90 out of him again, just because of the age and the wear and tear this season took on him. Um, it, it, I think they're going to have to do a better job about giving him a little bit more rest. They needed him this year. They had to rely on him to play. I know it's only DH, but he is coming off two hip surgeries and... A lot of miles on them, but um, so I, I think they can't assume that. I think that would be foolish if they did. I, I think I agree with you as a, as far as well. First of all, there's no possible way you can assume that we didn't even we didn't think that was going to happen this year. They didn't think it was going to happen this year. There were so many things that happened in the middle of the year that were pivots. Like, well, we're going to pivot on the milestone. Oh, he's playing well, so we can embrace him. Oh my gosh, A Rod is slowing down at the end of the year. I, I, I can't believe he's slowing down. He's been playing so well there's just so many things that were going on with him that that nobody thought about but next year obviously another year older no you cannot expect him to do what he did but this is what i think is going to happen and i'm going to go a little bit ahead but we were talking about how to get greg bird and i think these are very much tied in uh i think it's actually very much tied in with the a-rod issue and and to share so i really think that they're going to have to get a lot more creative and they're going to be resting a-rod a lot more in the first half of the season. They saw the, the severe drop-off in September, in late August, um, and, and through the rest of the year on A-Rod and the way he played. So I really think Greg Bird has an absolute, practically full-time role on this team with the amount of guys that we need to get rest with. Five Tex, days a week. Beltran and A-Rod, he can play almost every day. Yeah, Easily five times a week. So I think that's what's going to happen. I think Bird is an integral part. I think there's going to be a lot more pieces that get played. I think Girardi is going to have to just be you know, more creative than he, than he was this year when he was very creative this year. But he's going to have to be more creative and, and get these guys rest in times. Um, maybe when we're going to be like, why are you resting him? Because we need him right now. But if you think about down the road and the way that these guys, these guys broke down, and he's got a 40-plus-year-old body. Um, that that has uh, coming off two hip surgeries. You have to do it. You have to do it. So that's what I think is going to happen. I'm hoping they can keep him relatively fresh so that he doesn't fade in the second half, and we can actually benefit from you know the way he he hit in the first half of the season in the second half by being more fresh. Also, I don't want them to trade Teixeira. I know a lot of people are like, oh, you got to get Teixeira out of here because he's he's old and, and he's only got one year left and we need Greg Bird to play. I agree we need Greg Bird to play, but we still need Teixeira's bat in the lineup. If they don't have Teixeira's – you saw it, what it was without Teixeira. It's a bad lineup without him. So you gotta you got to count on him to play. I mean, maybe you don't have him play every day because he's going to wear down, but you definitely need him on this roster next year. No but question. that's my point. We can have our cake and eat it too. Absolutely. We can have all three of these guys on the team. We, Teixeira and A-Rod are not going to be complete full-time players. Greg Bird has a spot. And, I mean, I've been calling for this. I, you know, I've, I've been saying it on Twitter. I've been saying it on the show. I do believe that they should find, it, uh, find Greg Bird one more position to play. God forbid right field. I swear to God he could play a Carlos Beltran right field. I swear to God he can. I, I'm, I'm, I, would, I would put a lot of money on this. And I'll tell you one thing that's, that's making me even more positive of that, of the fact that they said that Ref Leonard couldn't play, 
makes me believe that Berg can play right field. So come on, let's see him in right field. That way he can rotate between the three of these guys, keep everybody fresh, keep Bird in the lineup, everybody's happy. Yeah, I don't know if they're creative enough for that. Come on, baby, let's do this. All right, so yeah, thanks again for the voicemail and for everyone for the mailbags. We got a few more uh, from Julio, from Jim, from Alan, and I think one other uh, mentioning just some topics that we might want to get into over the offseason, you know, really talking about what are some expectations for next year coming up into the 2016 season. I think it's just a little bit too early to start talking about that because the roster can and probably will change between now and then. But uh, definitely appreciate the the suggestions, and we're going to get into them, I think, more as winter meetings heat up, uh, going into as free agency heats up, and uh, at least after the World Series ends. Yeah, so as we progress through the winter, I mean, obviously, we need to break down every single one of these uh, these positions, what's coming up, what's available. Uh, but but like Andrew was talking about, you know, when the, when the winter meetings are heating up, when the World Series is over and free agency kind of starts, I think we'll see a lot more of the uh, the picture become clear. And that way we can start breaking more, uh, breaking down more of the positions with, I think, a little bit more, a uh, little more information rather than right at this point, I think we'd be guessing. So um, I think there's a lot of things that could change. But yeah, thanks so much for you guys for, for uh, chiming in. Uh, this was a, a big week for, for mailbags and voicemails and truly appreciate it. And, I love it. Uh, yeah, we're going to keep going, man, with a lot more Yankee stuff too. I love it. I mean, this is what we wanted the show to be i think we mentioned this in the first episode we wanted you know mailbags and and hopefully next year we're we're <laughs> we're getting more mailbag submissions as, as the games heat up and everything and that's what we're talking about versus uh, breaking down situations or coming up with theories on our own i like it i like the way it's going and uh you guys are being a big a big part of the show so let's keep it rolling all right well uh go royals i do not want a mets parade in a week and a half and uh we'll catch you guys next time hey guys thanks for listening to the bronx pinstripe show make sure you find us on itunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone if you do like the show We'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.